Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 95 and is being recorded on March 16th, 2019. Today's topic, Spectral Scans, Discovery Season 2, Episode 9. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This podcast contains spoilers for Discovery Season 2, Episode 9, Project Daedalus. I'm Eric Berry. And I'm Aaron Gallo. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Fantabulous. Me too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm much better than last week where I eventually ended up uh, getting sick. That That's, was horrible. Yeah. I caught the Rigelian flu or something. I don't know. But uh, I knocked back some Saurian brandy and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. I hear Romulan Ale gives you a headache, so you probably don't want that. Yeah, I, I, di- I didn't want to deal with that. Right. If Worf can't handle it. I think I'll stick to prune juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we got a lot to talk about with this episode. So what's uh, in the news this week? So the only thing that really grabbed our attention, the Creation Entertainment Twitter announced that they were potentially hacked. Over 60 customers have contacted them about the information being compromised. They are looking into it with their IT department. And if you want, you can check out their Twitter. Uh, They've been making regular updates. Their Twitter handle is at creationent. And those are the people that uh, run the official Star Trek convention yes yes they run a, a number of conventions and uh yeah i retweeted when i saw that and it was weird because at first they were saying you know n- nothing's bad on our end we we should be good and everyone was like no i'm having issues and mm-hmm. it's when it's it's because i bought something from your site or you know did a badge or whatever and so I think it got to this point where the, the evidence became undeniable and they were like, okay, yeah, we've been hacked. Right. And I know just like uh, secure your sites. I mean, if you're paying, you know, a thousand dollars or you're, if you're charging a thousand dollars for some VIP pass, I'm sure you guys can afford some good it security. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, this could happen on any website. Oh yeah. At any physical retailer so i mean you should always be checking your statements uh and have have alerts on just to protect yourself because several years ago i was affected by the playstation hack and oh god that i heard that was a complete disaster yeah that that was unfortunate uh luckily i didn't have to pay any of those charges but, oh, you know, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were they bought a computer, uh, shoes, and some other things, so... Yeah, it, it actually happened to me, too. Like, I I don't know, someone a few years ago, somehow my credit card number got either spoofed or something. Mm-hmm. 
and they actually tried to go through PayPal and there was this PayPal charge for like $600 worth of like China, like plates and stuff. And I was like, what the hell is this? Jeez. Uh, fortunately my bank, PayPal, everything was able to get it together. But yeah, I mean, they were dumb enough to use PayPal where they said, Hey, ship this stuff to this address. And I'm like, um, I don't live in Montana, so <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean everything worked out, but uh, you never know. I mean sometimes the banks may not be as forgiving or uh, or whatever. So make sure you have those protections. I mean I had to get like a new card, all of that stuff. It was mm-hmm. it was quite the hassle. Right. Fortunately, uh, PayPal and my bank were able to take care of it. So, you know, you hate to hear about these data breaches and stuff. And it just sucks that, you know, something so heavily involved with Star Trek conventions also gets affected. But like you said, this is this can happen to any website. Just protect yourselves, people. And yep. uh, speaking of buying things on the Internet, uh, <laughs> favorite segment of the show. Yes. Would you buy it? Actually, you know what? I would buy this. Yeah, it's um, it's something that I would definitely consider buying. Yeah, so we actually kind of have a, a, a really bland what this is <laughs> <laughs> on our front door. Uh-huh. And I think this would add like a, that little nerdy touch to say that, hey, this is a Star Trek home. Yeah, nerds live here. Get the hell out if you don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Klingon's not allowed. So we're talking about the Star Trek Discovery Starfleet insignia doormat selling for twenty four ninety nine on ThinkGeek. And it's, uh, you know, pretty nice. It's uh, mainly blue with the Starfleet Command insignia from Discovery. A little uh, split badge in the middle. Yeah. Dimensions are 17 uh, inches. Wait. Is it inches? Yeah. yeah, 17 inches long and yeah. 29 inches wide. Yeah. It's actually a little smaller than I was I thought in my head. But yeah, uh, spot clean only. Which which is kind of, um, I mean, the whole purpose of doormats is, you know, to keep, you know, crap from getting in. And, right. like, I'd hate to get mud or anything on this. Right. I, I'd hate to get any hairy mud on this. Um, oh. But... Yikes. But no, it, it's pretty unique, and I would still buy this, because where we live, I mean, there's, like, you know, there's four units in, in the place, and mm-hmm. there's, a, like, a common shared front entrance, which has its own doormat. So right. I, I would actually I would actually use this, because I think pe- by the time people get to our place, their shoes would be fine. Right. And this would just be a welcome, like, hey... We're a Starfleet family here. (laughs) (laughs) But I like it. I like the design. I like the color. I like the logo. Yeah. Yeah. I think the colors are fantastic on it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But speaking of Star Trek Discovery, this episode, Project Daedalus. It was something. It it was an episode, (laughs) apparently, for you and me. So when the Discovery crew infiltrates Section 31's headquarters... Suspicions arise that the crew may have a traitor in their midst. Burnham tries to help Spock, but her efforts don't go as planned. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about our likes this episode. I'll I'll go first. Sure. Uh, One of 
the things I really liked the most about this whole episode was the continuing dynamic between Spock and Michael Burnham. Mm, mm-hmm. I thought the dialogue is really sharp. I really enjoy the jabs that they're giving each other. Mm-hmm. Very well acted by Sinequa Marn Green and Ethan Peck. It's it's a really intense relationship that they have going. And to me, it was just a, a really good conflict subplot in addition to what was going on this episode. Right. So I I think, to me, that was the most dynamic relationship in this episode. Mm-hmm. What would you think about their relationship this episode? So I have a couple points to that in my, my likes as well, so I'll just yeah, yeah, go, go with on. it. We have Spock you know, continues to purposely hurt Michael. I think that's a way to get her to s- realize... She needs to accept she can't control every situation, mm-hmm. right? She's kind of a control freak almost. And the emotional scene where he, you know, hits the chess set. The only time in the prime timeline that I recall... Which which Discovery is still right. prime time. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. I, I just wanted to make the distinction between that and the Kelvin. Sure. Um, so, like, the Spock we know and love from TOS through TNG, TNG and all that stuff yeah. and all that stuff the the prime Spock the only time that we've seen it on screen that I can remember anyway for being this emotional is during Star Trek 6 after being betrayed by uh, Valaris oh right right so like destroying the chess set was like him swatting the phaser out of her hand mm-hmm so I think, although out of character for Spock that we're, you know, traditionally used to. In terms of the anger, like the raw emotional anger. Right. This, you know, shows, and the scene from Star Trek Six shows that he's has acted on his anger yeah. in the past or in the future. Yeah. Well, like I said, just I think, I think Ethan Peck is doing a really incredible job with Spock. I, I liked Zachary Quinto's Spock in the Kelvin films, mm-hmm. but Ethan Peck is really bringing this raw emotional side to Spock, mm-hmm. but still maintaining all of like Leonard Nimoy's mannerisms. And I've actually been listening to Anson Mount's podcast, The Well. Yep. I definitely urge our listeners to check that podcast out if only for the Star Trek interviews that they're doing on their show right now. Mm-hmm. They they're doing two two episodes with Ethan Peck and two with Doug Jones. And the first one that they did with Ethan Peck, Anson Mount like really just I they were on the set like the final day of shooting when they recorded that one and you know, it, it's cool. There's like people talking all around them. There wasn't any spoilers or anything. But Ethan Peck talked about he read both of Leonard Nimoy's novels, including I Am Not Spock, mm-hmm. which he says a lot of people kind of didn't pick up or read because people thought that Leonard Nimoy was disassociating himself from the character. And that wasn't the case. He was really saying, look, 
I'm not the only person that benefits from Spock. Everyone, everyone is benefiting off the performance. We're all feeding into this character. Right. And then, then they talked about him growing up in Boston. And there's like a, a kind of a unique thing where he tries to imitate how Leonard Nimoy spoke. Like there's like, instead of captain, he's like captain, like he mm. drops okay. the end differently. And I thought that was fascinating. So definitely everyone should listen to that interview. And I, th- I think you'd especially like that, Aaron, just because okay. it's another person trying to get into the mind of Spock. Right. And I just think he's doing a really respectful job of the character. Like he met Leonard Nimoy's children yep. uh, who both have done documentaries on their dad. So yeah, there's this whole big thing. And so I just, I really appreciate we're seeing him not crazy. He's fixed now, but he's having this struggle now with his emotions that we haven't seen this in depth before. And that's something I really appreciate them exploring this relationship in discovery. And to me, that was the most, you know, pardon the pun, fascinating part of this episode. It really was for me. Right. I agree. It was it was definitely interesting to see this new spin on Spock that we haven't seen before. And I can appreciate that because the Spock that we got in the Kelvin timeline was uh, more of the same. Sure. Spock. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see this new perspective. Yeah. I, I can't say anything more about this. Like right. it, yeah. that to me, that was really emotional. And you know, for the the last episode, if memory serves, that was when I like I I physically I had tears with that whole flashback with them as children and you know Mike's big gut punch to Spock. Right. And I've had a lot of time to think about it, and it's just it, it's it's really interesting because I know some people are like, well, it's just words. But he idolized her mm-hmm. as a kid. Right. And it's just interesting to see their relationship as adults be almost like really vindictive, at least on Spock's end. Mm-hmm. Like he is not holding back. And he turns around and gives Michael an equally upsetting emotional gut punch. Right. I mean, when he left her quarters, she was like visibly physically affected by this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she almost doubled over. Like it really hurt her to the core for him to bring out the parents, her parents' death and the logic extremists and her trying to shoulder all of this burden and then flipping it right back on her. I, I just think beautifully acted by both of them, especially Sonequa Marn Green. When she gets called to the bridge and she has that what the hell now laugh. Like, huh, if if this day could get any worse kind of thing. I think we've mm. all been there. Right. We've all been there. And yeah, to me, I mean, more so than the Arium stuff, which we'll get to later. To me, that was more impactful to me. The stuff with Section 31, I don't know. I felt a lot of the minefield stuff was a bit over the top. Uh, it, it just felt like, okay, let's get to the point kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a like though, but what I did like <laughs> was Jonathan Frakes 
returning to helm and direct this episode. Yeah, he did a fabulous job. And that's not to take away from any other directors. I've mentioned this for nearly every episode. Every director really brings a nice visual sense to these episodes, and they all have their unique transitions and camera shots. And there's one thing I really appreciate about what Jonathan Frakes, how he directs, is whenever there's some kind of tension on the bridge, he really makes you feel like you're on the bridge. Like mm. tight close-ups, it, you feel like you're in the conversations, like with Admiral Cornwell and Pike. You feel like you're standing on the bridge with these characters, especially in these talking moments. And I really, really enjoy that for this episode as well. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Uh, And he liked one of my tweets, so that makes me love him even more. Oh, man. He's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) I will say, like, digging in for the Arium stuff, Mm -hmm. I appreciated the actress. I thought her performance was stellar. I wish we got more of this. Right. And that ties into my biggest dislike with the episode. I really wish we would have seen more because throughout the whole first season, I know a lot of the bridge crew got sidelined and they've been doing a really good job of fixing that with season two. Mm -hmm. All of the bridge crew have become, you know, more of those characters like we see in other Star Trek series where they're the main crew and the main cast instead of supporting and kind of circling around one or two main characters like discovery is doing. Right. So I really appreciate that they are giving more, more focus to the bridge crew through these interactions. I just wish we got more of it before this episode. Right. Unfortunately, unless it's a flashback, uh, we probably won't see it. Exactly. So we'll get we'll get into that because that was my biggest gripe of the episode. But with Arium, I did love what we got and it made me want more. So the episode did do its job. And trust me, I am I feel like I'm definitely in the minority with this because Teresa was in tears when she died. Yeah. I, I mean, she she was affected that that part of the episode affected her. Right. It was emotional in the moment, especially with all of the character shots reacting to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll get into the dislikes. But so I appreciate the emotions that were displayed. I just thought it was a little bit too late. Right. And it, it didn't affect me as much. Like what made me emotional in the last episode was because I knew so much about Spock's character through 50 years of the franchise. And I knew how much what Michael was saying was hurting him. Couple that with the acting. That's what made that emotional for me. And with this episode, I mean, yeah, it's sad, but I was like, mm. anywho, but it, <laughs> What I'm trying to say is it was still very well acted. Right. And I loved that freaking fight scene between Michael and Arium. Holy crap. Yeah, it's pretty pretty epic. And I'm kind of surprised Burnham was able to keep going after that first punch. Uh, yeah, well, I, I know they didn't want to make Arium seem like a superwoman. Mm-hmm. But... I will say Jonathan Frakes and the stunt team and the court fight choreography, all of that was 
amazing. And I really appreciate in the fight, Michael did like the double handed thing like like Kirk did to the Gorn. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, when she was uh, being held up in the air. Yeah, and she did, bam, like, I mean, Starfleet fighting at its best, (laughs) because she even did the drop kick. Right, yeah. I mean, that was, that's from the Kirk playbook of fighting i love that it's, it's something about you know those those double-fisted uh punches that starfleet seems to love yeah so i like that michael did stand a chance against arium because mm-hmm. it's not like arium had super speed right. she just had force yeah yeah i thought michael broke her hand when she first punched her face oh yeah when oh that that was such a great touch when she first did it and she pulled back like Ow! Like, yeah, <laughs> it was just like, oh, and oh my god, when Arium like kicked her into the air, mm. and they switched to the slow motion. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat with that fight, and I was like, oh, like you could just feel it, like oh, just the weight of that, and when she was just like, oh, and just like. <laughs> Punched all the way back. Uh-huh. Oh my god, you you like felt every punch with that, and that was so cool. And then I also liked the tension in this episode, especially this kind of like cat and mouse game that Arium was playing. You know, mm-hmm. trying to hide the true, you know, what was going on. Right. And even just like to Tilly, like, hey, stay by my side, don't move. Well, and then a few minutes later, she moves. Uh, but, and I had some problems with that, which we'll get to. But overall, I loved her backstory. We know why she was augmented. Right. And I actually watched a little bit of the the after truck replacement that they did. Uh, yeah, the ready room. Yeah, the ready room. Because they interviewed the actress. And little tidbit, they said that Arium is 67% augmented. Oh. So two thirds of her body is augmentation. So that's to clear up a little bit of uh, confusion for people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure I'll have more likes, but uh, let's let's dive into more of yours. Sure. I love Cornwell's shuttle approaching Discovery. That was great imagery. I almost thought that Discovery was like abandoned or something. Like it, mm. it gave that sense. Like I think right. it was just a little dark, but you know, then you notice all the windows are on, and I'm like, okay. But the tension going into that scene was like, oh man, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, you know that was cool. Just you know, seeing the shuttle drop out of warp, and the only thing I didn't 100% like was like a little uh, flare out of the shuttle's nacelles. But that was. Yeah, whatever. Artistic license. I'm cool with that. Like you said, Arium's backstory. I'm glad we actually know what happened to her. Uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest questions about the character. And uh, I'm glad we, you know, finally have an answer. So the idea of Arium's memory review system was cool. Yes. I didn't 100% like the way it was executed. Her, like, standing there with her face in the wall. (laughs) It, it could have been done a different way, like, you know, a port that you, like, hook in a la Data <laughs> whenever he was connected to the computer system. Did you notice her bed? Like, that pod of a bed that she had? No, I didn't. Yeah, it looked like, um, it kind of looked like a futuristic, like, tanning bed. 
Okay. Yeah, but, no. but more of like a sloping pod. Okay. So when when Tilly first enters the room, like you see it in the brief wide shot. Mm-hmm. And then when she's approaching Ariam, talking to her, you see it more in focus. But that was definitely her bed. It's like it's like some kind of recharging pod. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I only noticed the wall, and I noticed the desk from, like, Ikea or wherever it was from. Um, <laughs> Space Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad we have an in-universe explanation of control. I know you guys knew about it from reading books. I, I actually have not read that book. Oh. I just read up on it. Okay. I had no idea what control was. Uh, I'm glad there's an in-universe explanation because, yes. as we know, if it's not on screen, it is didn't happen. Um, so that was cool. I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the moment where Pike, you know, starts to walk after, like, you know, we get the explanation. Pike begins to uh, move, leaving Cornwell and Saru behind, and he turns around and says, "We better get moving." I thought that was yeah. a that was a good moment. Oh, can we talk about their moment on the bridge, like Cornwall and Pike? Yeah, that's my next uh, my next like. Go for good it. because I I like that too. Yeah, I really like that because you know he's starting to get all high and mighty about mm. the use of illegal mines, which I mean Saru was even like, hey WTF, what what are we why? Right, and I just like that Pike instantly switched to like. All right, this is wrong. This was bad in war. And she's like, yeah, because you're the best in Starfleet. Of course. Like, get off my about this. Yeah, and then he's all humble and kind of like, you know, he did something with his hand. Like, he kind of looked down and did something with his hand um, and walked back to his his command chair. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th- I like that. That scene was, was great. And it kind of echoes... Back to Deep Space Nine when they were laying their minds. Yes, yes, yeah. with the moral objections against that. Right, I thought it was fantastic. I, I just want to know who the hell built them. Like, where? Who did Starfleet contact to be like, "Yo, we need some mines." <laughs> right, because Cornwell says the Federation didn't build them. Yeah, who did? Because those things were wild. Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, That's an unanswered question. That is an unanswered question. What else do I like? Saru continues to act like a big brother to Michael. Really, really, really appreciated that he noticed that something was off with her. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the whole theme of this season with him being really empathetic. So I enjoyed that. Um, I thought that was a good touch. Not bad touch. Good touch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the moment Arium is blown out of the airlock, uh, very intense, very emotional for everyone. And I thought the memory playing in Arium's eyes as she shuts down was, uh, wonderfully acted, written, directed, all that stuff. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, Oh my God. That, that was kind of a gut punch. And that's how we close the episode is through her eyes Mm -hmm. shutting down. Wow. That was, that was pretty impactful. Side note, so I have, um, it's somewhat related, I have the commercial plan, the limited commercial plan for CBS All Access. Okay. When Ariam was reviewing her her memories, and Uh you have that scene with her and her husband on the beach. Yes. I thought it was a commercial. (laughs) And then as it was going, I was like, oh no, this is part of the episode, I need to rewind. (laughs) 
I what like a commercial for Amblin or something? I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I, you know, you, you're not anticipating like two people on the beach. Right, right, right. So, and I was like, oh no, I have to hit rewind, rewind. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I read in another forum, someone else thought the same thing. I, you know what? I was a bit confused, like you know, after the the previously, mm-hmm. I was like, hmm. What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that uh, wraps up my likes. Not many this week. Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised. I, I agree. We, we can move on. Let, let, let's let's dive a bit into the dislikes. I'll start, and I will always complain about this for every episode because why, when you go into a battle situation, that your shuttle door is open every single time? Yeah. You could just have a like freaking mine just fly right the hell in there. Mm, I know you guys have really good shields, but what if they fail? Right. <laughs> you guys had some severe electrical problems in engineering. What the F <laughs> I just, I hate it. I hate it. I really want to ask Alex Kurtzman or something. Why the hell does discovery always have its damn shuttle door open every single time, no matter what the situation, that thing is open. Why? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why does this not bother anyone else? Why does this bother me so much? I don't know. I can't remember. Was it ever closed in the first season? I think so. I really think we see one door. One. I know there's like a brief shot where they get out of warp and you see the door like sliding open. And mm. I swear to God, since then, it's been open forever. <laughs> like it's been jammed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I just, mm, I I know it's a gorgeous set. And I know they want to allow it to open into space to see the beautiful CGI extension of that set. Mm-hmm. But it does not make sense in wide shots when no one is in there and you're doing a battle, please, for the love of God. We know it has a door. We yeah. know that the little model has it. That thing's not open. Mm-hmm. It's just, it seems like it takes up so much area behind the ship. To me, it just feels like one huge vulnerability. Yeah. Speaking of the ship, why the hell didn't they use phasers at all when dealing with these mines? Oh, what? Good point. Or the tractor beam. They maybe could have tractor on in like reverse polarity of that come on yeah <laughs> I, I don't know it's just it's like little things like that they could have put their phaser beams on a wide setting mm-hmm. because at that point like i mean <laughs> just destroy them you're putting the ship in way more danger than it needs to be and right. I, I get it you know they initially wanted this to be kind of like a stealthy like let's get in get out and I get it. It wouldn't help their case if they started destroying Federation property. But once you find that is controlled by control, just blow it up. Right. (laughs) Use your phasers. Maybe next week. Uh, Maybe. I just, (laughs) I want to see the Discovery use its phasers. We have barely seen that happen. Mm. Anywho. The, the whole Arium thing. To have an emotional effect like it did for a lot of people who apparently watched this episode, my wife included, mm-hmm. they did a good job of 
having a singular character arc and including enough um, moments and emotional points to hit people like that. It was a meaningful death. She's been on the bridge for every episode of Discovery. To me, it's just unfortunate that we've never had any interactions with her, you know, above from her saying lines on the bridge and activating Mm -hmm. the spore drive. Right. To me, it would have been way more impactful if we've seen, at least in this season, when we know that they've been focusing on the, the secondary characters of the bridge crew then why not pepper more moments in the mess hall? Like Mm -hmm. we saw in their conversation. Don't just include it as a memory. Like, why couldn't they've shown this, like, you know, two episodes ago? Sorry. Or, like, them grabbing lunch or anything. Mm -hmm. Just, like, and I thought it was great. Like, you know, Detmer, she had these little side comments to Ariam, like, woo, go cybernetics, because, you know, she, she was augmented as well. Right. And like, ooh, look at you. You're going on this away mission. Ooh, don't forget us little people kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I love that. To me, would have been more impactful if they sprinkled moments like that throughout the season. I totally agree with you. And my wife was more upset with potentially losing Nan than losing Arium. Right. I, I was like, oh, man. I was like, not don't, mm, don't kill my Barzan. <laughs> don't kill pike's awesome number one barzan like come on yeah because but here's the thing we've seen non we've had moments with with non Mm -hmm. more than arium this season right that's what i thought the death was gonna be like when she took like what seemed like her last breath i was like oh my god they did it arium killed her Mm -hmm. what the f and i'm glad that that's not the case like to find out that she was the one that pulled the airlock door open, that was fantastic. But speaking of non, and Discovery handled this badly, we had this whole setup of non being suspicious. Yeah. And here she is hiding in the corner. Meanwhile, 22%, 50%, 75%, 100%, yay, download the whole thing. Those screens are so effing ma- massive. And we've already established that non move to that side of the bridge to keep an eye on her and not once did non go like hey what the hell is arium doing yeah that's actually on my on my list as well that was horrible i don't understand why she didn't bring it to pike's attention especially after she was like oh i can beam down with you right why didn't she pull pike aside and be like listen I saw she was doing something on the bridge. I have these suspicions. We just got to keep an eye on her. I think the whole thing with her dying could have been avoided. Oh, yeah. If Nan brought her attention, these concerns to Pike, I get it. They had a mission. But, you know, you got Detmar going, well, we got an hour till we get there. Oh, we got 10 minutes till we get there. Arian, boop, 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 download. Like, considering all the problems they had these past couple weeks with computers, gee, I wonder who else could be the main suspect here. Right. Especially with the spore drive going down. Hey, you might want to think about your spore drive technician who's on the bridge, which is Arium. Right. It was it was just like these leaps of logic where I was like, Nan, what are you doing? Like, she was almost like timid in the corner. I'm like, yes. Something. 
Right, she was there, like, just hiding behind a support beam while the rest of them were being tossed around by the mines. Didn't make any sense at all. Didn't make any sense. It was it was frustratingly bad, considering that Pike brought her on Discovery as his security liaison. Mm-hmm. She is part of security on Enterprise. And she was the replacement for Tyler before he showed up again. Mm-hmm. She was internal security do a better job of being a security officer bring your suspicions to your captain please yeah Uh, i just that was one of the most frustrating parts of this episode i love non as a character but after this what the hell was she doing a lot of this could have been avoided Mm -hmm. and transporters exist there was there was no mention of like transporters being damaged by the by the mines, at right. least not what I heard in my two rewatches. Yeah, no, I actually that's on my list as well. I was actually debating someone about this on Facebook, and I kind of just stopped. Oh, get into it because we've talked about non and the transporters just unleash. So yeah, why couldn't they just beam her out? Maybe she was in the shielded area, but I don't think so. A line of dialogue anywhere saying that oh the transporters are down or something discoveries problems that that we've had can be solved with a single line of dialogue mm-hmm. and pike mentions when they first beam down that they have a lock on them and they're ready to beam them out in case something happens yet mind-numbingly frustrating like all the stuff that was going on could have been avoided if they just beamed them back they don't have to like convince Arium, oh, stop, here's a memory. Look at the memory I'm sending you. Just beam her back into the brig. Problem solved. It. Mm. And this isn't the only series that, you know, does this. Uh, oh, no, like, like the, oh, no, we can't beam for dramatic effect. I get it. Well, not even, even that, like them forgetting about technology to move the plot along. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh well, one thing I can add to my likes, I like that they said Barzan. Mm-hmm. They, they Ariam asked, oh, yeah, you're Barzan, correct? And I, I love that we get confirmation, uh, which we all speculated since we saw Non. I like that Ariam used that as a weakness to disable her and take her out of the fight quickly. Mm-hmm. That was... Uh, that looked painful. It was painful. We... I'm assuming that was blood, so it she bleeds like black, <laughs> or yeah. or very dark purple. Mm-hmm. So that was very interesting. Arium, let's be clear here. Arium ripped it off. Right, right. Like those things are normally like, I think pretty securely attached. I mean, if she's bleeding like with two big round spots on her head. Yeah, Arium used force and ripped that sucker off. The sound effect for that was gruesome. Yeah, I'm surprised that it didn't do more damage, like ripped half her face off. Well, considering we see, like, a frozen body sliced in half by a door, that was disgusting. Mm -hmm. Another gripe I have with this episode, that station looked massive, and you're telling me that there's only four people there? And I get it, they only beam to a specific level, which could have been the command level, which would only house the admirals. I I can see that, but where the hell are 
literally everyone else. <laughs> have they been spaced? Is just the whole station abandoned? Why have such a massive facility for literally four people? Is most of that space the computer network for control? Mm. Yeah, good questions. Uh, so, I mean, some of some of it can be answered by them not being able to scan the the station, right? Uh, because of it being a former penal colony or prison facility, mm-hmm. which uh, we have heard about penal colonies in Starfleet before. Tom Paris was at the New Zealand uh, penal colony at the start of Voyager. I, I thought that was a nice kind of like uh, callback. Yeah, definitely. I, I just want to say I actually really liked the design of the station. Oh, the design of the station was really cool. Yeah, it, it kind of had an old school throwback feel to it. Like with kind of like basic layered yeah. shapes. Yeah, right. it very felt like it, it very much felt like TOS. Yeah. I thought this the conversation between Spock and Stamets felt mm. so out of place and out of character for both of them. Right. And I only say that because Spock knows this guy from a hole in the wall. Yeah, no, that's on my list as well. So I liked the scene, but I didn't like the scene. I, I can I can agree because I liked how it was acted. Right. Yes. But I don't like the context and the content. Like, they're giving each other relationship advice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you two are the worst to give these this advice. Right. I mean, Spock uh, doesn't have, or at least we we don't know him to have had any kind of re- like romantic relationships. And even in TOS, he, you know, with Nurse Chapel, he didn't really know how to broach it. So I can't imagine how he could have made this comment to Stamets. Right, right. My other gripe with this scene and the scene with him and Michael in engineering, why are they in engineering to begin with? (laughs) Because it's a set that they need to use? I don't know. (laughs) There are other areas of the ship. We see Arium in a lab right plus the lab that they have off the bridge yeah i think i think michael and spock should be doing that off the bridge mm-hmm. so the only reason i can find is that they just wanted to have anthony rap in a couple scenes that's all i can think of why they put it in engineering yeah i mean logically it makes no sense for them to just be chilling there in engineering while they're trying to fix engineering <laughs> and they're distracting Stamets, who's trying to fix stuff? Yeah. Actually, another gripe. Not a fan. Another gripe about engineering. <laughs> I I know where you're going, uh-huh. and I 100% agree. So, one, what's the device that Stamets takes out that yeah. isn't connected to anything, and then when it goes out, the power goes out? What? It's already been yanked out of its port. Yeah, like, why is it, is it supposed to be, like, remotely transmitting power? Which we've seen before in Star Trek, but you're, you're right. He dislodged the thing from its housing. Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah, no, no wires connecting it. I mean, and why isn't 
they're an engineer in engineering helping Stamets directly. Instead, we just have some extras, like, walking around in the background doing jack. Yeah, you see the one guy, like, checking his computer, like, oh, it's out. Uh, I'm just going to stand here. (laughs) Instead, we, I mean, that's to force the scene with Stamets and Spock. It's, It's horrible. That was bad. Yeah. That's mm, no good. <laughs> no, I tr- trust me. As someone uh, l- like you, who's heavily invested and interested in the the science and the technology behind Star Trek, yeah, that scene infuriated me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why the hell is it? He's like, oh, please don't shock me. <laughs> and I mean, the whole power goes out. I'm like, why is this such a key critical component? Right. To to take out engineering like that. It's horrible. You you tell me you don't have an, a redundant system? Come on. That was bad. That was bad. It was bad. One thing I uh that didn't entirely make sense to me is why every admiral sends over subspace sensitive information to control for analysis. Huge risk it seems to me. Well, not only that, but the level of what Cornwell was describing about, oh, every major strategical action, like really, you guys cannot think for yourselves what the hell is going on here. Mm -hmm. And to put such an emphasis on it, that makes me wonder, then why the hell have we never heard about this before? Right. And is this whole thing with control, is it such a great risk that that's why we see in TOS kind of like these more quote-unquote dumber computers Mm. like did starfleet go like well that was a horrible idea well not necessarily because there's this one episode maybe it's called the ultimate computer from right right. from uh tos where like we have an ai you know going at it with uh in control of the ships going at at each other uh at the m5 computer i think it was yes so uh, mm. You think they would have learned <laughs> something that <laughs> happened ten years prior? Uh, maybe we shouldn't be putting all this emphasis into letting a computer control our ships. Our entire fate. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad, man. Why is it located at Section Thirty One's headquarters? E- yeah. When when did Section Thirty One get this much power? Yeah. Because here's the thing: like from what I understand from the novels, control is exclusively a section 31 thing. Mm. It's, it's the, it's the decision and tactical analysis that section 31 uses, not Starfleet Mm. or the Federation. So I would have liked a line if maybe said, if Cornwall said, well, since the war, we've been using control to make our detect again, just a small tweak in dialogue can have huge impacts so I could understand them desperately seeking Section 31's help during the war. And, oh, well, by the way, we have this amazing tactical threat analysis system, which will come in handy during a war. You guys want to use that? All Cornwell needed to say was, well, since the start of the war, we've been using control to make our tactical decisions. Since the beginning of the war, that's all they needed to say, right. and we would have not had this gripe. Yeah, but but no, it's like, oh well, we just feed this <laughs> into control all the time, and here we go. Here's right. all the stuff I know. Right. I'm glad I'm not the only one that has the same gripes. 
<laughs> no, you you definitely didn't. Good, good. Another thing, just visually, with those flying spheres scanning Spock's brain. Hated it. Hated it. Oh, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, Spock's brain was <laughs> Spock's brain. Right. So I thought it was a cool effect, but it was something that we didn't need. Completely unnecessary. All you need to do is, like, have a light shining on his head. <laughs> Or if you really want to throw back to Spock's brain, put like a dome thing on his head with little electrodes. Right. Yeah, you know, something like physically touching his head. Yeah, the little glowy, not really there spheres that I hated that. <sighs> I think that wraps up all my um, dislikes. Yeah, any, anything else before we move on to unanswered questions? No, let's, let's dive into it. All right. So my... Biggest question. Mm -hmm. Was the altar probe from control in the future? And is the debris from the probe gone because it's from a future that no longer exists? Mm, interesting. I, I feel that's where they're setting this up. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a timeline because in Spock's vision, we see like these big kind of ship things launch more of those probes. Mm. And it just seems like that's what everything's leading to because, you know, they mentioned that if control gets its hands on, on the sphere data, then it could become more powerful and then wipe out sentient life. So I think we're actually seeing a predestination paradox, right? Where control, what Arium was infected with was a future version of control. And it, it was just trying to get that data to either make that leap faster and speed up the process of the timeline or set things in motion to begin with. Right. So like Skynet on steroids. Essentially. And, yeah. you know, I mentioned before that, you know, the three glowing lights, it's very symbolic of Brainiac from uh, the DC universe and Superman, mm -hmm. which was another evil computer that took control right. so that's that's kind of my theory is that arium was infected with a future version of control systems and because it was in this probe and when it was threatened with destruction it was kind of like a last ditch effort to get into discovery systems and then it was like oh wait ooh, augmented human now I can be mobile. Right. So I think that's what that's what we're seeing. My big unanswered question is if this was Section 31's biggest facility, this was their headquarters, where are all the other Section 31 ships? Did oh well, did control send them all away to lure Discovery into this so it could get its hands on Arium? Mm. Because the probe stopped, or the, the mine stopped when they got to a certain distance, which forced them to carry out their plan anyway to go over there. So once Arium became this, you know, walking embodiment of the probe knowledge, that's what Control wanted. So it, it all kind of makes sense. I think we may have just answered your unanswered question, but... It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out with the rest of the season. I think we've only got, like, what, five more episodes? We're on episode uh, nine. So, yes, five more episodes. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have any other unanswered 
questions? Uh, yeah, who the hell is the Red Angel? But I think that's <laughs> our prediction. It's It just seems like this big... Uh, I really want to know what the hell was up with that preview. Why are they building this chair? Mm-hmm. It, to me, it looked like they were back at the wreckage of the Hiawatha. Oh, interesting. It looked like the same set. I paused the hell out of that. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell. I, I mean, I thought it was interesting with... Uh, it looked like those like little satellite dishes it looked like the old school transporters oh like those big those big things that uh the shenzhou had on on the wall whatever okay and see yeah and then ariam's like oh michael burnham you're the key to all of this and and it was like oh god really it's yeah it's all because of you it's your fault everything in this universe revolves around michael burnham Which is kind of funny because Spock is like, that's your problem. And then it's like, no, that's literally what's happening in the series. It's <laughs> everything is about the problems on Michael Burnham's shoulders. Right. That was annoying. It was. What do you score this episode? Well, I gave this a Lieutenant Commander at two and a half pips. Um, while I appreciated the backstory of Arium, I think it was too little too late for me, at least for me. Again, there are many other people who were very affected emotionally by this episode, including the one I love the most, my wife. So I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone's experience. It's just for me, I would appreciate more more of these smaller moments with Arium and the other bridge crew because it looked like the reason she saved uh, the the memory with Reese, you know, the other security guy, the tactical guy, mm-hmm. seemed like she kind of had a crush on him or something. And oh. and he kind of had a thing for her because he's like, oh, take it easy. <laughs> like, like they were sparring in a, in a sexy way. Um, uh, again, to me, it's it's showing, not telling. Right. We got that with because of of, it, of her memories, but I think it would have felt more natural if it happened throughout the season, especially the over the top Tilly. Oh, I adore you, really, because you never talked to her before now that we've seen. So it just all of that felt a little bit disingenuous to me. Their reactions were obviously real, like all of them had you know, a gut punch that she was killed. And next week we essentially have her funeral. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think she's completely gone. Oh, that's, that's my prediction. But, um, uh, anyway, back to the, why I scored it. There were some great things in this episode, but unfortunately just everything that we kind of nitpicked and, and talked about our dislikes, it just kind of shifted it to a, a, a lower pace for me. Right. If it, if it was more about Michael and and Spock, oh, this could have easily been a commander for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Mr. Dewey sent. Uh, he couldn't be here this week. He sent yes. us his score, and he scored it a commander three pips. So he liked it a little better than us. What's your score, Aaron? I originally started this at commander. I brought it down to lieutenant commander. And after my third watch, I brought it down to Lieutenant, mainly for all the reasons we've <laughs> already explained. There were just so many little... Overall, I liked the episode. There were just so many little details that irked me, like yes. engineering, transporter. Ugh, come on. 
Um, it, it, it was a lot. It was a lot that piled on this week. And it's unfortunate because it's a Jonathan Frakes episode. Like, I love you, dude, but I don't know. There's a couple choices here. We're scratching our heads. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's not all all him, obviously. No, uh, no, no. It's it's the writers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Predictions. Go, go ahead. You seem to have the biggest uh, wall up here. So, my prediction is... Section 31 and Discovery will join forces to defeat Control. And we kind of see that in the episode preview. Yep. The two ships. Yep. And I paused. Giorgio is also suited up with them. Okay. It, it looked like in the funeral scene, I saw a couple of black uniforms. Yes. I think it's an obvious prediction, but I, I my prediction nonetheless. Okay. Mr. Dewey has a prediction. He thinks Michael becomes the Red Angel. You know what? I've seen this theory floating out online, too. Yeah. I think it's starting to make sense. Yeah, definitely. We would know why Spock was the one chosen. And he saves Michael's life early on. Yeah. That's that's kind of important if you want to stay alive in the future. Right. And this time-traveling being is putting it on its shoulders to go back and fix things. Yep, yep. S- similar to Michael, although you would think she would go back and stop Giorgio from dying. Dun-dun-dun. So maybe it isn't Michael. I don't know. It's really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> really confusing. Time travel. Oh, it gives me a headache, much like Janeway. Indeed. She hates that time travel. And sometimes so do I. Do you have any other predictions? Not really. I'm just interested to see where this all ends up going. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, and we have a couple more or a few more episodes to go through, and hopefully it will all be revealed. And we'll see. I hope that it wraps up nicely at the end. I really don't want a cliffhanger. (laughs) No, my I cannot handle a cliffhanger. (laughs) Yeah. I like the Enterprise tease, because it was just like, da-da-da, and I'm like, ooh, I mean, we were all like, oh, my God. Yeah, I think we're at a good pace. The next episode is called literally The Red Angel. So I think think we're going to get some heavy revelations next episode. Mm -hmm. I hope so. My other, the prediction I had before Section 31 and Discovery Joint Forces was Michael was going to transfer her consciousness into a computer. Uh, who said that? That was one of my predictions. Oh, yeah, she is strapping herself to something. She was strapping herself to something. I could have sworn I saw some deflector dishes, like, on the ground. So I wasn't sure if that was necessary to, you know, transfer her thoughts into a computer. And I thought maybe that would help with... Zora from the Calypso episode. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that Ariam's memories in the Discovery computer helps form Zora as well. Yeah, uh, I, I just I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, they, they've got they've got five episodes to really uh, really turn it around. And I'm not saying that it's been bad. Mm-hmm. It's just we have a lot to wrap up right before the end of the season. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't hated, like, hated, hated any episode. No, 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 no. Like, I every episode has had uh, really great moments, and I think we've scored them all fairly positively. 
Yeah, for the most part. It's just, obviously, like any show, you know, we're going to have some things that we scratch our head and have, like, why did they make that choice? Mm-hmm. And again, it, it, it's frustrating because it feels like simple tweaks to the dialogue or the script, which would alleviate, like, a lot of our concerns. And it, it goes back to, like, the whole Kaminar thing. It's like, just give me a line that you guys acknowledge that the people are okay <laughs> and that things are fine. Right. And, you know, just like just like this whole control situation, well, since the beginning of the war, like, just, it, that's, it's, it's not like that's unnatural or anything. It's like, well, since the beginning of the war, we've been using control. Like just something like that, where it's like, where it doesn't seem like Starfleet and the whole of Federation is being controlled by this thing. That's horrible. There's no oversight there. So I, I, I think, you know, I'm everything like Pike, Spock, all these like throwbacks to the original series overall, so far, you know, we're past the midpoint of this season by now mm-hmm. and we're in this back half and things are still for the most part really good. I just, I don't want to feel like season one where it became a little bit predictable in the middle. Right. And I feel like this, that's the same thing. Like, you know, we're already making these conclusions as to who the red angel is. And it's not just us. I, they, Literally, the Star Trek account posted the video with, you know, with Sonequa Marn Green asking, well, who do you think the Red Angel is? And you see the comments. It's like, gee, I wonder. It's like, oh, is it Michael? You know, it feels like uh, it just feels like they're telegraphing things so much. Mm -hmm. And I could be wrong. They could be thinking like having us go this one way and have it be something completely different. But it better make sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it better not be something out of, like, left field that, yeah. like, wh- what? What? It's Q the whole time. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <sighs> but anyway, Mr. Barry. Yes. If we were to look for you on the internet, how would we do that? I am mostly on Twitter and Instagram at trekkieb 47 You can also check out my other podcasts that I host on the four eyed radio network. And that's the Ranger command power hour, which talks about one of my other fandoms, power Rangers. So definitely check that out and check out all of the shows on the four eyed radio network. Uh, we got, uh, the walloping web snappers from our good friend, Doug. Mm -hmm. If you're into Spider-Man and specifically Spider-Man cartoons, they're talking all about it which is a definite throwback to my childhood. Tons of great, tons of great shows on the network. And where can they find you? If you were to look for me, you could find me at most places, Twitter and Instagram, at Nova Charter. And if you get the chance, and if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, why don't you rate and uh, leave us some feedback and let us know how we're doing. Uh, We would... Definitely appreciate that. Yeah, let us know for sure. So, until next time, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. And get the hell off my bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the override? (laughs) Self-destruct initiated. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web 
at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on Facebook.com slash sfescapepod.com.